We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is September 5th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is up, bro? Uh, well, as you guys are listening to this, I'm I'm probably just chilling out. Uh, this is a long weekend, so just being able to uh, hang out, not not have to work today. So I'm, I'm probably just enjoying myself right now in real time. But currently, I'm great. You know, we uh, just kind of hanging out, had a good week. What about uh, what about you? Any anything fun that you're planning on doing this uh, long weekend? Uh, yeah, so if obviously you guys might be a little bit confused right now, understandably so. We're recording this Friday night. Producer Kevin um, has some fantastic plans this weekend, this Labor Day weekend. So because of that, we're recording a few days early. But you guys are listening to this on Labor Day. Thank you for reminding me, Luke. Happy Labor Day. I hope you are resting from your labors on this Labor Day. <laughs> um, no, you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping I get to play a lot of World of Warcraft this weekend. I've been mm. back in a WoW recently. And uh, yeah, it's like going home again. You know, I've been you playing know, World of Warcraft off and on for a long time, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm back right now. Feels good. You know how I can, how I knew you were already back into WoW. Oh, I don't know. I knew because uh, our six man show YouTube. I, uh, I logged the into World that of Warcraft videos. Yes, sir. And all the recommendeds are. World of Warcraft videos. So I was like, well, oh, this I, man is I did see that because it. you were looking up some kind of like Tim Tebow speech. I saw the same like history. We can see like the watch history. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was the Tim bad. Tebow highlights. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, look at, yeah. you, you, you feel like you're violating somebody because you can just see everything they've been looking up. But mine's all Gator stuff and college football stuff right now. So it's uh, nothing. nothing. Well, whenever nothing like usually when I'm going to look up like overly nerdy stuff, I'll like log into my personal so that you guys don't <laughs> have to like see me looking up like, you know, Pokemon card packs being. No, opened that's also or, was like, on the recommended. Exactly. I didn't know you were so, big into Pokemon openings. Well, I mean, so obviously like everyone is open like into like Pokemon cards, like growing up and all the like the video games and stuff like that. But yeah. um, just a couple of my buddies have been just bored recently and have like gotten into it so it's like ah you know i might as well kind of like check it out so i've been dabbling a little bit the off season is where i do all of my like just weird nerd nerdy things random stuff and then as soon as basketball season starts it's just like i'm laser focused into that yeah there's like i don't have time for video games i don't have time for anime pokemon cards that and i'm a big collector like i've just mm-hmm. always enjoyed like collecting like for our folks on YouTube that can see this listening, you guys can't see this, but this right here is just a stack of signed Orlando Magic cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did our podcast with uh, with Court Cousins a few weeks back, and I went through all of these with them. But just to you know, just a little extra, a little something for our our viewers. Just gotta look at all these. These are just all signed Orlando Magic cards, and these it's aren't everything that I have either. It's a lot. So it's a lot. Um, I've always been into collecting. Man's got a big deck. Hey, 
you need to wash your mouth. All right. <laughs> we this is a family friendly show. You're like getting you're pushing the envelope right now. No, hey. I'm kidding. <laughs> nope. A, I don't I, no more innuendos. Let's... Nope, we're good. That's right. our one per show right there. Uh-huh. Um but no, like everyone knows we all had Pokemon cards as a kid, and it's like, why did I throw those freaking things out? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but like a first edition Charizard is worth like thousands of dollars now. Like even if it's not graded in like a PSA 10 or a BGS 10 or whatever, if that's the case, you have like hundreds of thousands of dollars on your hands. But like the old cards that we all had as kids are worth like thousands of dollars now. And we just like threw them out or gave them away at like a thrift shop or a garage sale, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was mainly, we're, but we're, I promise we're going to get into the show, but I was mainly into like the video game, like the games of uh, Pokemon and then right. uh, Pokemon Go, when that came around, I was just like, this is great. But yeah, I will I say, Pokemon Go, even it's a solid game. It's fun. Um, even uh, though I didn't do the cards, like I wasn't on the card scene for Pokemon. But you're a little when young. I, you're a little young well, for that. OK. Anywho, <laughs> when I see like the back of a Pokemon card, like just like the obviously like the Pokemon, like the Pokeball with like the you know what I mean? Everybody knows what a Pokemon card looks like on the back. Whenever I see that, I just get like waves of nostalgia that wash over me, even though I never collected cards or even like really even had any. So that's how you know that a company has done it the right way, because that was it's just like an, a pure nostalgic feeling, even though I had no ties to the cards. So that was that my right there. Oh, uh, you're referring to right. there. It is baby? beautiful. It is that's beautiful. Right. So, yeah, that's that's my my Pokemon and input there. Yeah, when you so I was big into Pokemon and I was big into Yu Gi Oh as well. Like that was like mm. my jam, like my generation. I was what those cards look like as well. Like that. It's like the golden brown like looking back of the card, right? Maybe, maybe oh. it is. Oh, maybe it is right there. Yeah, a little, little Yu Gi Oh action. Mm-hmm. But um, dude, all those old cards like I had the Dark Magician, Blue Eyes White Dragon, Red Eyes Black Dragon. All that stuff is worth thousands of dollars now. Really enough to make you sick if you just dwell on that for too long. <laughs> but uh but yeah anyways my name is jonathan osborne and i am a total freaking nerd if you didn't know that by now now you know yeah yeah this week we actually are going to talk orlando magic basketball believe it or not uh we have a we talked about this on the podcast um last week and we put the feelers out there on social media uh, a few weeks back um but we're doing a preseason night uh like just kind of a group outing with our listeners to go and watch the game So the last preseason game, the preseason finale, October 14th at 7 o'clock versus the Cavs. Uh, We have basically like a group discount set up that we set up through the Magic with our guy, John McCall. Uh, If you are not familiar with John McCall, he's really like our go-to in terms of all things Orlando Magic tickets. Um, If we ever, you know, have any questions or somebody needs help with tickets, we always refer them to John McCall. So if you are looking for tickets... um, or group outings, season tickets, anything like that, would definitely suggest hitting up our guy, John McCall. I'm going through my phone right now so I can pull up his number. His number is 407-916-2752. If you're looking for tickets, hit up John McCall. He's a massive help. But if you want to join us for our group outing, you can purchase your tickets through Fevo. It's F-E-V-O dot me slash the sixth man show again that's fivo dot me slash the sixth man show we're trying to fill the lower bowl like towards the magic bench but tickets are going very quickly uh, they didn't restrict all the tickets for us because this is the first time that we've done something like this so people are still buying those tickets on their own so these tickets are going to go fast so if you want to join us for that game again Fivo.me slash the six man show tickets are anywhere from $28 a piece to $38 a piece. So they are going to go fast. So make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. Franz, Franz Wagner, uh, as you all know, is participating in FIBA Eurobasket 22, playing for the German national team. And the other day, so today is Friday. So that was Thursday. Thursday, France played Germany. And uh, Germany uh, was not favored in this game. We talked about on the last pod that Franz, was, uh, not Franz. I, every time I say Franz and France, I keep getting those so screwed up today. Mm. France is one of the favorites to win the entire tournament. Yeah. So we were hoping that Germany would be able to keep it competitive. 
but Germany actually came out on top. They won the game 76 to 63, especially in the third and fourth quarter, really were able to extend the lead and win this game pretty comfortably. Uh, Luke, you and I, and I wanted to talk about this with you. We've been talking about whether or not Germany is really going to feature Franz offensively. And we thought that maybe once they get into Eurobasket, into the actual tournament, that things would change a little bit. But um, especially Germany's bench was so lethal in this game. They didn't really need a ton of offense out of Franz. So Franz ended the game with eight points on 407 shooting, three rebounds, three assists, and one steal. For most of the game, he was matched up onto someone that we're familiar with, Evan Fournier. And Evan Fournier was held to just seven points on two of 10 shooting from the floor. Uh, Evan Fournier struggling offensively. Rudy Gobert being in foul trouble for the majority of this game. Both were major factors for France really not being able to ever get things going. Um, but a big win for Germany to start the, the tournament here. Um, the 76-63 to 63 win over France. But what did you think of France not really being featured that much offensively? Yeah, I think uh, like I would be irritated about it, and I obviously think he was underutilized offensively, but he did so well defensively that I'm really not too mad about it. And people will that are just haters of Evan Fournier in general will just hear that and be like, you know, who cares that he held them held them to that stat line? But as we said in the last episode, when I was going over the MVP odds of EuroBasket, what that looked like. Fournier was like fourth or fifth best odds in the whole tournament to win the MVP of the tournament. So that tells you something that, you know, Franz was able to clamp him up quite literally in that game and, and was put just him nice. on skates and put him on skates. Franz may not have had the you know most production, but number one, he was efficient. And number two, he gave us like two highlights, which is pretty good considering he had single digit points. So I, you know, it is what it is. I think he's just playing his role. I do think that we, like we talked about earlier as well, if Franz isn't featured, it is a lot to do with the fact that it is a seniority type prove it thing when you are playing international basketball. That's why, honestly, if Mo Wagner was playing, he probably would be featured more than Franz Wagner. I really think it's just like a respect thing for what you've done for literally your country. And and so I think Franz is just like obviously getting started in his Germany, like Eurobasket, FIBA type of groove. And we'll see him kind of just like with the Magic be featured even more and more as the time goes on. So uh, I think he'll be featured with the Magic sooner than he will with Germany. But that being said, hopefully next time this comes around, they don't have a choice but to feature him because of what he's been doing in the NBA. Well, I like your point that it's like a you know respect thing, like the mm-hmm. seniority on the team. At some point, you got to throw the respect out the window if you're trying to win games in this <laughs> tournament. And their best chance is either going to be Dennis Schroeder or giving the ball to Franz Wagner. Like Dennis Schroeder had a, a really nice highlight. It was absolutely a carry, like that little spin move that he had where he just kind of froze the France mm-hmm. defense and then had an open layup at the rim. It was sick, but very much a carry. And then you alluded to the turnaround jumper that Franz had right in Rudy Gobert's face. Yeah. And when I saw that, I tweeted out like, nah, like Gobert's got to sign the ball after this. Mm. I wasn't sure that people were going to get that reference. I don't know if that was something that was just exclusive to like my, the area that I grew up. Did you get that reference or no? I, I had never really heard it, but it could be something that's widely known. I, maybe I just don't know it, but, uh, also I understood, you know what I mean? Okay. Like I I got, feel better. I got it. Like use your context clues. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, great context clues. Big context clues guy. So I was I was able to just really snuff that out. But no, it, it made it made sense to me. Um, yeah. So like growing yeah. up, whenever you'd be playing pickup, like if you hit a shot like literally right in somebody's face, you'd like throw it to them and they'd have to sign it. Like they'd have to fake their signature on it and mm-hmm. like check it back to you. It might have just been a dumb thing that me and the kids at the rec center did in like various parks that I would play it as a kid. But I hope that was a thing everywhere else, or we were just idiots doing that for like no reason. That sounds yeah. tough to me. I I like that. I don't I don't hate that at all. Yeah, it was like a you know, show me some respect. I just you know jade this right in your face. So, <laughs> but yeah. So when you guys are listening to this again, we're recording this on Friday. So they will play Bosnia and Herzegovina on Saturday, and they have a back to back actually where they will play Lithuania on Sunday. So France, not France, Franz. Again, I keep screwing this up. Franz will have played two more games 
in between now and the time that you guys are listening to this podcast, please uh, forgive me. The, the dyslexia right now is, is really hardcore. Last bit of magic news, and then we're going to talk about our guards. This is going to be like our final position group breakdown. Uh, Gary Harris this week had arthroscopic surgery to perform a meniscectomy in his left knee for the torn meniscus. Uh, Dr. Brian Suter, if you guys are unfamiliar with him, he does great sports injury breakdowns on Twitter and especially on YouTube. He tweeted out that the meniscectomy means the torn piece was trimmed slash smoothed out and that typical recovery can be four to six weeks. So I know we talked about like there's different kind of meniscus tears and sometimes it can just kind of heal on its own or sometimes you need to go in and, you know, like perform surgery. My understanding is that like the meniscus, like there's only so much meniscus and if they have to keep going in and like trimming that out, um, that like long-term that can be like detrimental. So a lot of times, especially in younger players, they don't recommend, um, like going in and like trimming that out. But this must be like a case where it was a good idea. It's going to get him back relatively quickly. So hopefully we'll get Gary Harris back sooner rather than later and potentially even for the start of the season. Yeah, that'd be, that would be nice. That would be nice. We've talked about how much we're going to utilize his shooting. Um, I think still people don't understand how important he's going to be to this team this year in terms of veteran leadership and also on the court performance. I don't think he's just there like as a guy to be a veteran, like he is actually going to contribute and has genuinely, as we've also talked about, like, and we'll continue to talk about genuinely has an argument to start on this team. So, um, so yeah, I think he's pivotal. I, I think that we really dodged a bullet with the fact that we're, you know, we might miss a week of the first season with of the beginning of the season, with him, maybe two. So at least that's what we hope we, we never know with this front office. But that's the 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 realistic way that this usually goes is he should be back in those first couple of weeks. When it comes to realistic expectations with the magic and injuries, I have no expectations. I'll be happy when Gary is back. That's all yeah. I will say. We hope that Gary gets well very soon. Would love to see him uh, back with the magic you know early on in the season. Now, before we move on to our conversation around the Orlando Magic Guards, we are going to go through our Patreon and shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons. If you guys have not heard or you just started listening to the show, uh, if you want to help financially support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three tiers of benefits that you can choose from. Every little dollar that comes in through the Patreon goes back into the show to help do with like giveaways and uh, upgrading equipment and just bringing more content and better content to you all. So every dollar helps. We really appreciate everyone's support. And as part of our Patreon, we shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons on every single episode. That is what I'm going to do now. Shout out Court Cousins, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Bailey, Wiffle, Michael Salapong, Franz Goaded for Show, Ryan Singh, The Distract, Eric Randall. Uh, Eric Randall just upgraded from our All-Star tier to our Hall of Fame tier. So a big shout out to Eric. Really appreciate shout that. Eric. Shout out Eric. Woo woo. Pierre A, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dutto 15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Goaty 93, and Teddy Sylvia, Mrs. Sylvia, Luke's mom. Shout out, Mrs. Sylvia. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you all for your support. Uh, Every little bit goes a long way. We love you guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Luke, let's break down the Orlando Magic Guards, and I am going to throw it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where we will start here is we'll start with, yeah, it's no secret what our projected starting lineup is for the start of the season um we went through that with the forwards obviously put all that out there if you want you guys can go back and listen to our forwards episode which was our most recent one uh before this but with that being said we first can talk about markel nagai faults oh you love the name i mean the middle name i love the middle name it's a sick middle name that i've never heard before so i I always use it and what's your middle name do you have a middle name benjamin benjamin yeah. Have you ever met someone that doesn't have a middle name? Yeah. Yeah, my cousin. Yeah. I grew up, one of my best friends didn't have a middle name. I always find that weird. Yeah. Like, your parents didn't love you enough you, to give you a middle name. Do you want to talk about Markel Nagai Fultz? Yeah, let's do or that. we want to talk about middle names? Okay. All right. Yeah, I well, just, it's a sick middle name. It It is. It is, actually. So, let's talk <laughs> about Markel, because last season, we obviously got limited glimpses of him. 18 games three games where he started near the end of the year. We got him really going over that 20 minute limit, um, but still ended the year averaging exactly 20 minutes per game um, with 10.8 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 2.2 turnovers. Um, He was shooting less than a three a game at 23 and a half percent and almost 10 field goals a game at 47.4 percent. Is there anything like, do you think this is even up for debate that Markel Fultz is starting opening night for the Magic? I don't think it's a debate whatsoever. Um, There are, it just always blows my mind when you have conversations with people that like don't follow the Magic closely. And they're always surprised when you say that Markel Fultz is one of the best guard on the team and that he'll be their starting point guard opening night next season. They're, without failure, they are always surprised. And it's just like, Man, you didn't even attempt to watch the Magic last year. It's, like it's fall, it's even always followed bit. up by like, really? Yeah, every time. Always, it's they're always surprised. It's so funny. But yeah, yeah to yeah. me, it's not a conversation at all. He should be the starter opening night. Um, and I think it's just important to let people know like why he's so important to the team. Like he just improves the offense so much. The Magic don't really have another true point guard on the roster. And he just like sets the table up for everyone else. Like if you are open, Markel Fultz is going to get you the basketball. There is not a place on the floor that he cannot place the basketball. If you are cutting and you're open, you are getting the ball and you're getting an open layup. That and he just gets to the rim whenever he wants. It does not matter who is in front of him. He just has this unorthodox style of movement. People call it like herky jerky. And he just gets to the rim at will. And he is a above average mid range shooter. So although the three point shooting is obviously not what it was He's at filthy. Washington, yeah, it's just like when he gets to his spots, he they call them his kill spots because he's getting to them and he's going to score and there's nothing that you can do about it. And he's a obviously a big point guard, incredibly athletic, capable defender. Markel Fultz is just right now the best well rounded guard on the team, and he should be our point guard opening night. Yeah, and we had we've alluded to this already. We've talked about it before, but because we are talking about Markel, I want to just reiterate how important he is. Markel Fultz, when we had Stephen Kagan on of NBA University, um, I don't even know that was like a month or a month, a little more than a month ago at this point. Um, off season just runs together. I don't remember when, when we did things, but he pointed out Markel was number two in the NBA in high value assists behind Trey Young, uh, and this is all factored in per 36, obviously, because Markel only played 20 minutes a game. Um, But he had 10.1 high-value assists per 75. So essentially, if you want to get past all the... Just kind of go into what the high-value assist is. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, because what I was about to say was, I am not an analytic guru. We have made that well, just very obvious. 
All I know in terms of that is that he is number two behind Trey and he's with the elite. Like all we know that boy. Nice. (laughs) That boy is nice. No, but correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially it is past that, you know, lead to um, an open three or a, I believe it was like a layup, right? Like what is the, do you remember what free throw attempts or free throw attempts? So it's a a layup, an open three or a free throw attempt. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, I was partially right there, um, but all that to say, Markel number two at that really just provides the insight to where you know Markel is just so valuable to this team. Uh, obviously, I'm on board. Markel is going to be starting opening night. I would be very surprised if not. Um, and now, Jonathan, we can kind of transition to the two spot. Who we think will be starting at the two spot? I'm going to say Jalen Suggs. Are you are you also in the Jalen Suggs camp in terms of who you think realistically starts? I think I think it should be the the issue is, and a lot of people have brought this up, and that's why the injury to Gary Harris was just like such like just kind of took the wind out of a lot of people's sails is because starting a backcourt of Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs, who Jalen Suggs was a twenty one percent three point shooter, you have like no shooting in yeah. that backcourt. And for a lot of people, for obvious reasons, in terms of spacing, that is a big concern. So defensively and just like in terms of like potential, I really like the fit with Markel and Jalen Suggs, along with Franz and Paolo and Wendell. Like that is, to me, one of the best passing lineups in the entire league, like from night one with Markel and Jalen and Paolo and Franz and Wendell. All of those guys are like above average playmakers for their position. And yeah. I just feel like it would be such fun basketball to see those guys on the floor together. And then obviously they're all very capable defenders. But again, the shooting is a, is an issue. So people that are like, wait a minute, what about Cole Anthony? Like I'm not dismissing Cole Anthony. Um, obviously what we saw out of Cole last year, like the first you know 20 some odd games, like October and November was scoring close to 20 points a game on relatively good efficiency. If, what we saw after that point was just Cole like being injured, which he was, you know, with the ankle injuries and stuff like that. And we just never really saw him like get back to that same level. And he's able to get anywhere near that. Like to me, I would argue if you're giving me for sure October, November, Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs, who you don't know if he's improved as a shooter, I would just say start Cole Anthony just in terms of, of like offense. He's the better option right now next to Markel Fultz. Now, defensively, you got Markel, you've got those other guys. I think you could hide Cole to a certain extent in that yeah. lineup. But all that aside, I think it should be Jalen Suggs to start the year. And I am expecting Jalen to take like a, a significant leap in terms of his shooting ability. 21%, to me, there's just no way that he's going to be quite that bad again. Like even if he's around 30, I will take that this year. Yeah. Um there's a lot that goes into this conversation. We, I just, I, I think that we have just said for so long that Jalen Suggs will be the starting shooting guard, probably like going into next season. I feel like we've said it enough that it's gotten to the point where like we've just accepted it. Not that it's wrong, but there's arguments to present in terms of Cole running that two spot. Like you said, if you get Cole from like those two months out of the year last year before injury, then that's a no-brainer. But what I will say is that Cole, you know, one of the reasons that you could have him coming off the bench is just what we talked about, which is him being like an offensive spark plug coming off the bench, being the sixth man for this team, providing just that that you know, kind of uplifting for this roster in general on the court. But also, Cole is still an underrated playmaker, in my opinion. He was forced to run the point guard position last year. At the beginning of the season, I was like, I don't know if I really trust Cole to run the offense. And then Cole Anthony, um, and I'll list Jalen numbers, uh, Jalen's numbers here in a second. But Cole Anthony averaged five point seven assists and two point six turnovers a game last year. Like those aren't numbers that that should like th- those aren't bad numbers at all, and definitely warrant somebody who could play the point guard position if needed. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes off the bench solely for this fact that he's going to be running the point guard position because you don't really trust the rest of the guys on the bench to run it. We know who's on that bench and we're going to talk about them, but like it just might come down to that. 
Now, that being said, just as far as like listing Jalen Suggs numbers last year, and you were talking about improving as a shooter, shot four threes a game, 21.5%, uh, 36% from the field, 11.5 attempts a game, 11.8 points, 4.4 assists, and three turnovers, and 3.6 rebounds a game, 77% from the free throw line. So that's Jalen uh, in terms of last year. Like you said, his efficiencies need to improve. There is going to be what I will say as well, Jonathan, is that there's going to be pros to either Cole starting or Jalen starting. If Jalen starts, you're going to have his like just to add to how insanely good that team will be. That lineup will be defensively. If Cole starts. You're able to capitalize on his playmaking essentially you got two playmakers on the court like high level playmakers on the court with cole um just compared to jalen in my opinion i think jalen can get there but cole anthony just it's all the proof is in the pudding i mean for him to be having like over five assists a game and two something turnovers like he was good but with him off the bench you have someone to run that second unit you know if you are going to play them kind of in mass subs there but I don't know. I don't really think you can go wrong, especially to start the year with either of those guys. And I think that's also like part of the discussion is that right now I do feel more comfortable with Cole, like initiating the offense. So yes. if Jalen is the two, like next to Markel and Paolo's going to have the ball a ton. Franz is going to have the ball a ton. You're still going to have, you know, like these, like, you know, high post-ups with, you know, with Wendell, him getting the ball, like the, you know, the center of the painter at the elbow. So it's not going to be all put on Jalen where like if you're starting Cole and Jalen is the point guard off the bench, then like all of the playmaking and facilitating falls on him, which like we saw flashes of that. We saw you know potential there, but the turnovers were absolutely an issue last year. And uh, I was doing some some quick uh, computer math here while quick you math. were going through that. So I mentioned like Jalen going from like 21%, even if he gets to 30%, if he would have shot 30%, from the three-point line last year, that takes his average from 11.8 up to 15.5. If you tell me that Jalen is averaging 15 points per game this year on like a tick-up in efficiency, like that to me is a win and like the kind of jump that we need to see out of Jalen offensively. Now, 21 to 30% is a big leap, but again, free throw percentage, he was fine. 77% from the floor. We saw the confidence. He has the shooting form. So uh, with Jalen and Cole, like, like you said, there's not really like a wrong answer there. It's just to me, I feel like Jalen raises the ceiling of this team defensively. And if he's starting and, and playing the majority of the minutes there, like this team to me really should be like a top 10 team in terms of defensive rating. And then I just feel a lot more comfortable with Cole running the bench unit yeah. right now. Um, I don't want to see Jalen. Not that I don't want to see Jalen, but I could see Jalen running that second unit and if the game hasn't totally slowed down for him we could see some of those turnover issues again and hopefully yeah. that would be alleviated him playing next to other like super high level playmakers in the starting lineup yeah so next i i want to talk jonathan about the man who is out for the first hopefully hopefully a couple weeks of the season and that or is or not at all maybe he'll maybe he'll be ready for the start of the season we hope hope that would be great but I'm we've not got like seven weeks. Yes. Something like that. I don't know. I'm bad at math. Yeah, no, so, I'm not going to hold my breath, but yeah. No, but it would be nice. It is Gary, Gary Harris, Harris and Gary, Gary. Um, I'm pulling up his numbers here. He essentially played 61 games for the magic started in uh, 30 of them. This last year had 11 points per game. Um, 11 points per game, almost two assists, two rebounds, shot 38.5% from three on five attempts, and 43.4% from the field on nine attempts. So Gary Harris, who, like I said, solely because of his shooting, he's a, he's a good defender and good enough to have him in a starting lineup, absolutely. Just from what we saw from him last season in terms of how he was able to turn it on there um, near really the last half, more than half of the season after there's a little bit of a, very much of a rough start. So I, I think that he would have an argument to eventually be in this starting lineup. But as you know, coming back from injury, things like that, regardless of how serious or 
not serious it was, um, I, I think that we'll see him coming off the bench regardless. I think that in that time, that if he does miss the first couple of weeks, it gives the Magic really time to see where Jalen is at in terms of efficiencies, how he's feeling, if he's in a groove, and Cole as well. I mean, we're going to just be able to feel out where he is too. If we're getting that that Cole of old and really the first beginning of the season last season, or if it's still much of the same where he's inconsistent and really just inefficient in general. So I think Gary, like if you, if neither of those guys are panning out in terms of like Jalen's not taking that leap, Cole's not who he was at the beginning of last season. And that just is who he is for right now. Not to say they can't change, but Gary is the quick fix. Gary's the guy that you can just put in that lineup and you know, he's going to do his role. He's going to do his thing. He's going to hit those corner threes. He's going to play good defense and you're not going to have to worry about him making very bad decisions that are going to cost you a game. He, I just feel like you can trust Gary Harris when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think quite obviously, I'm not saying anything that's very profound here, but the Gary Harris injury potentially really messes up the Magic's plans, especially early in the season, particularly if the idea was to start Gary, right? Because now coming off yeah. the meniscus, you're definitely going to bring him in off the bench to, you know, when he first comes back. And then it's like, all right, well, what if Jalen is playing really well in the starting lineup or is if Cole is playing really well in the starting lineup and the team is looking good, then you have to kind of reevaluate what Gary's role is going to be. And But again, this is underneath the premise that they were going to start him, which we don't know. Now, there's a legitimate argument to why they would do that, but we just don't know what the team's plans are right now. But yeah, when Gary comes back, he's going to be a, a welcome addition just because of the fact that he is that kind of calming presence whether it's in the starting lineup or whether it's coming in off the bench this team is very young we still need veterans in the lineup Uh, not only obviously in the locker room to bring these young guys along but they are a calming presence when they're in the game so um, yeah we don't really know what obviously an injury like this messes up your expectations of what a guy is going to be and what his role is going to be especially early in the season but we can't get Gary back soon enough would you and I'm just thinking out loud, I've never I haven't thought of this yet. Would you say that there is a legitimate chance that Jamal Mosley does not know who he's rolling out on opening night starting? I think right now there's a chance like I feel like he probably has a pretty good idea. Now, we, we can go back to a, a couple of months ago, like right after the draft and Jeff Weltman, you know, talking to the media that was on the Ryan Rosillo podcast. And he was talking about who their starters were, and we're like going through the ages of them. You're right. And it yeah. matched up basically with Markel, Jalen, Franz, Paolo, and Wendell. So yeah. it's fun to have these conversations, and we can be talking about this. Jeff Weltman definitely doesn't listen to the pod, but if he does, he's just sitting back like, you idiots. <laughs> we already know exactly what we're going to do. So they could know right now. But if not, like training camp and, and preseason, like that's kind of what I, that is for to a certain yeah. extent. I can't help but go back to last season when and we talked about this recently as well, talking about, you know, the centers and everything. But when Mo and Dell started next to each other, I think if it wasn't for preseason in general, like if preseason did not exist, I don't think we see that on opening night as a starting lineup. Just because that's that that is what preseason is for. And especially with Jamal Mosley coming into like his first year as a head coach in general, first year really getting to know these guys on the Magic roster and what they can do, what their strengths and what their weaknesses are, what their chemistry levels are like. Preseason is pivotal. It is only his second year. I know that now he has a much better pulse on these on this team and what these guys are capable of and all of those things that he has learned over the last year. But all that to say, I wouldn't be surprised if come preseason, you know, if his lineups that he's throwing out there legitimately he's seeing what works there is so much versatility with these lineups in general and i'm sure we will do a whole episode on what those lineups will look like in depth and you know the the strengths and weaknesses of those at some point can i point. be honest with you what i don't want to do that you want to know why cuz there are so many different possibilities with this i know team, like it's different things that it's different lineups it's a magical out there it is magical what you it's can do with the lineups what of this is, team bro. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, we're just having fun. He's got to make the decisions. But that's what I'm saying is that I, I wouldn't be shocked if Mosley like has an idea 
of a starting lineup or what rotations run together. But this team is different than last year when you're talking about them being fully healthy. And preseason is going to be a lot of fun as a result because we're going to just be able to break down lineups and rotations and things that he threw out there on the court and be like, was this real or no? Like, do we do we think that this is a legitimate lineup that'll happen in the middle of an actual NBA game? Or is this just mostly having some fun with the lineups in general? So I think there's a lot to look forward to when it when it comes to that. I want to now get into RJ Hampton. He's the next one really on the list in terms of like a depth chart for me. Um, just to recap up to this point, we have talked about Markel, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, and Gary Harris. Um, so RJ Hampton is kind of next on my list. Him and like Terrence Ross really go one and two for me, honestly. Um, but Gary out, I could see Terrence just really sliding in and replacing him if he is out those first couple weeks for sure. Um, but we will see. But for right now, we'll talk about RJ Hampton, Jonathan. Um, as far as RJ goes, last season, 21, almost tw- basically 22 minutes a game. He averaged seven and a half points a game, two and a half assists, and three rebounds on 35% from three, three attempts per game, um, and then 38% from the field on seven field goals a game. So is there anything on RJ? Are you expecting him to thrive this year? Or like, what? where do you think RJ is at in terms of even what he's going to, you know, how he's going to view this season in general? Well, I feel like we have this conversation every other pod almost about RJ. Feels that it's way. just about him accepting his role as a true 3 and D like specialist. I feel like we, we have enough tape on RJ. He's obviously incredibly talented, very athletic, high flyer, very quick guy. But I think we've seen enough to realize that he's not going to be a point guard in the league and then he's not going to be like even your secondary ball handler in most situations. To me, he just needs to come in and again, just embrace the role of being a true 3 and D guy. Uh, I believe he shot 40% on catch and shoot threes last year, which is right where you want guys to be. Um, and what you know can be a pesky defender. Like you know, we very much won that home game against Utah last year because of his defense on you know, defense, good grief, his defense on Donovan Mitchell, like you know, down the stretch of that game. So um yeah, with RJ, I just wanted to embrace his role. And I think if he does that, like he has the potential to be like a really high level role player. Like it seems like every single year, some team is trading for one of these guys, like a contender is trading for one of these guys. And you're like, Oh wow. That's the kind of guy that might like make or break their, that team's championship run. Like that's a legitimate addition. And I do think that RJ has a true path to becoming like something similar to that, like a high level role player that is going to shoot 40% from three and is going to be able to guard like the other team's you know, second or third best player at times. And if he can do that, I feel like he can have a real role on this team. I feel like he'll be like a regular in the rotation. But if he, or for some reason, I, I feel like the Magic should have seen enough at this point to say, okay, this is what you want you to, what we want you to do. But if they try to like keep pushing him into this like playmaking role, I think they're just setting him up I don't want to say failure, but not exactly for success. So I think all parties involved should agree on what RJ's role needs to be moving forward. Yeah. And honestly, there's not much else to add. We talk about RJ a lot just because we really don't know what to expect from him this upcoming season. We know what we hope to expect, which is everything that you just talked about. But the one thing I'm noting here really before we move on to the T Ross because I like I said, I feel like RJ, we, we've talked about him enough. Everybody understands where we're at with him. I'm looking at these guards, Jonathan, and there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Usually a rotation in the NBA is like you're playing nine guys. Typically, sometimes 10, you can stretch it to 10. And we're talking about eight guards that we believe there's a world where like at least a, a most of them are getting minutes like seven of them. So at the end of the day, someone's going to be seven guards are going to get minutes. 
Well, no, there's an argument to be made for at least oh, okay. seven of these I was people like, to get mad. I'm like, good grief, no. we're running 12 or 13 <laughs> deep. Yeah, well, we'll see. But that is just, that's crazy to me. And we'll kind of, we can circle back to that and, and touch on it briefly after we go through kind of the remaining list here. But I just want to point that out. That's something like I realized in real time. Just we know, we say it all the time. We have so many guys that are vying for minutes on this team that there's just not enough to go around. Um, we know that after training camp before and after preseason, before the season starts, one guy is going to have to be off the team. Like there just literally is not enough room. You're at 16, right? And you need 15 on opening night. So going to be interesting how that shakes out. Someone's getting traded or someone's getting waived. Like it has to happen before opening night. So I assume that that comes from the guard group because there are so freaking many. Um, but we'll we'll see where it kind of shakes out. There's a lot of forwards and, and centers as well. But with that being said, we can talk here about Terrence Ross. Um, the human torch last year was not so torchy. Uh, 10 points a game, 2.6 rebounds, 1.8 assist, uh, one turnover, 29% from three on four attempts. That's so ridiculous. And then... 39.7% from the field on 8.8 attempts. What do you think is in store for Mr. Terrence Ross this season? So I think, and I think a lot of us would agree that Char- that Terrence, Terrence seemed pretty checked out last season. You know, I think he came into the season probably expecting a, a bigger role than you know, what he eventually was. And just the way that you hear him talk about the team currently, there's just kind of a a pep in his step. You know, he seems yeah. rejuvenated. He seems more excited. Seems excited about the brand new, you know, Advent Health Training Center. So I think just kind of him having a, a different level of expectations of what is going to be asked of him this season, and just like his what seems to be like renewed you know excitement. Like, yeah. does he want to be here long term? Who really knows? Um, Terrence probably knows, but sometimes I'm like, hmm, does he really know? Is he just kind of <laughs> going back and forth? Yeah. But I just don't see any possibility that he's as bad as he was last year. Like the 29% from three, like career low. Like just, I don't see that happening again, especially if Gary misses a couple of weeks to start the season. If the, the idea was to start Gary and then you already had like a really good idea of what you want in the second unit with Cole and Jalen playing together. I could see them going, you know what? Let's just start Terrence. You know, if it's only going to be like a week or two, like Steve Clifford used to talk about this all the time. When like one guy is out, he would just throw like somebody random into the starting lineup that like didn't play a ton because he didn't want to disrupt not only the starting lineup, but also the bench unit. So I could see maybe some of that where they're just going to throw Terrence into the starting lineup. And then when Gary comes back, they're just going to plug Gary back into the starting lineup, and then Terrence will go into like whatever role. I don't really know, what, but okay, I just think Terrence is going to be a lot better than he was last year. I, I, he can't be worse. So Terrence, this is a quick trivia for you. Terrence has been on oh, the team, brother. Terrence has been on the team since the 2016-17 season, halfway through. Right, comes from Toronto to Orlando. Obviously, plays 24 games that year. He starts 24 games. 2017-18. He plays uh, 24 games again and starts 20 games. Then 2018-19, this is where we're picking up. We're picking up from here, okay? And since 2018-19 season, how many games has Terrence Ross, do you think, that he has started since 2018-19? I'm going to put the over-under at 15, and I'm going to go under. I'll even go under 10. I'll okay. go under ten. Give I, I don't want an over number. Give me give me a number you think. Nine. I'll say nine. Two. Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious! I mean he he's he's just like the epitome of a of a six man. Like he's yeah, and he does like when he is engaged in that role. Unless he's just like completely fallen off, which I don't think so because like a lot of his game relies on his athleticism, and he still has almost all of that. But yeah, two, I was not expecting that. But like he is the epitome of like a really good six man. Yeah. Well, we saw it in 2018. 
he shot seven threes a game and shot 38% from three. Not only is this a career low shooting from three at 29% last year, but since 2018, when he really caught his groove with the magic and had his first true real full season with the magic, four attempts a game is his lowest amount. He shot seven attempts in 2018, 19, 7.3 the next year, 5.7 and uh, the year after that, and then 4.2 last season. So I think last season could be the kind of anomaly. Like we really just have no idea what was going on with, with T Ross. Like we said, we speculate he was kind of checked out, but I will say he was, you know, obviously with the at Advent health training center, he was filming all within there. I believe on his Instagram posting to his stories the other day, and then I watched a YouTube video from him, from his Terrence Ross YouTube channel today, actually, where he went to Magic Gaming and sat down and played some games with the Magic Gaming guys. That is not to say that he's like just rooted in Orlando, but I do think that's a good sign that he is putting himself out there. Like he is doing stuff like working, you know, going to meet the Magic Gaming players, which I'm sure was a cool thing for them. And getting to play, you know, a game, a few games of, of 2K with them, as well as the Advent Health training, you know, facility. I just think that they're and with the team. We've heard him talk about it. Like he's just in a completely different mental state, I think. And I, I really think that means good things. And regardless of how long Gary is out, I think that if Terrence is the Terrence of three seasons, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, then that's the Terrence that I'd want to be getting minutes. And if T Ross is that T Ross, like if, if T Ross is able to give you 38% from three, like 2018 T Ross, are you starting him over Gary Harris or not starting him? Are you playing him over Gary Harris? Or do you think that there's, do you, are you still leaning Gary on that? I'm still leaning Gary. I'm still leaning I'm Gary. All aboard the Gary train. But yeah, I mean, just like the added, I, to me, like Gary is more of a calming presence on the floor. Yeah. Um, like Terrence can single handedly win you a game on any given night. Yeah. So like, you know, that's a, a big factor, but especially like Terrence is never, Terrence is a fine defender, but is never like really like wowed me on that end. That's actually not true. Last year, I don't know if it was like scheme or something that he decided to do, but he started playing the passing lanes a lot more. Yeah. And like I would, you have the numbers in front of you. I would mm. put a lot of money on the fact that last year Terrence's steals went up. No, no. Are you serious? That's it was surprising. tied. It was tied for his lowest steals in his career. Then it was. It must be the previous year that I'm thinking about the the 2020 2021 season. He Give had, me anything. Well, Last season he was 0. 0.4 steals. The season before he was a steal a game. The season before that, there, steal a there game. it is. Is is that his career high by chance? I doubt it. Anyways, his, his career high then is you 1. Know what? 1, and he's done it since 2015. Then my assessment of Gary is correct. He's the better defender. <laughs> so yeah, let's go with Gary Harris. So, okay, yeah. you sounded for what it's worth. You sounded very confident about T Ross, and I, I really I felt confidence because I was like, damn, like T Ross getting in these <laughs> passing lanes. We're getting out on the break. But maybe yeah. I my eyes my eyes deceived me. Yeah. So I'm leaning. But what Gary I will say, well. what I will say is, if Terrence shooting 38 percent from three, yeah, I'm probably playing him over RJ. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. 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 T Ross jumps up for sure on that. I he might be playing anyway. <laughs> um, that's, that's true. But I also don't know because if it's last year's Terrence, he's probably he's definitely not. He shouldn't. Um, but I just think that he's going to be different, a, a different uh, person than the player than he was last year. So we have two left to talk to if my list is correct here. We have Devin Kennedy and Caleb Houston. We've talked a lot about Caleb Houston, right? I mean, we're impressed with his, he's, he's a big player, but he's also, you know, just great off ball reminds you talked about, like there's some similarities. We talked about him on the forwards episode. We threw him in here because we were like, he might play two sometimes if we're in a pinch and he needs to do that he can if he can shoot the three like we hope he can and get to that point i could see him running the two as well if you're playing like a bigger lineup um 
But yeah, so Caleb Houston, is there really anything to add besides like his off ball and like potential shooting the three ball? Well, I, f- I feel like the conversation with Caleb is so right now intertwined with Devin. Because mm-hmm. like you alluded to it, there are 16 guys right now yeah. that we think are like capable of making like the actual active roster. I feel like the other 14 that we've talked about up to this point, unless Terrence Ross is traded, are virtual locks to to make the main roster. Yeah. I feel like we kind of have to have the same conversation like Caleb and Devin. No, like, do we want to talk about Devin and then we'll kind of talk about both of them? Cause we've already kind of talked about Caleb. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Like, uh, yeah, we can do that. If you want to talk about Devin, um, as far as Devin Kennedy goes, let's just see last year, 10 points a game. Granted guys, five games, um, but 10 points a game two assist one steal um let's see 1.2 rebounds shot seven and a half threes a game at 40 and a half percent and nine field goals at 34 percent so Devin Kennedy is the epitome of just put him in there to hit the three ball that is that's what you're getting with Devin um and that's about it he's he's you know he's six two and he can shoot and that's really that's all I got. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I mean, the 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 hard part of this conversation is that we don't expect really either of these guys uh, to be like heavily in the rotation. Yeah, I guess Caleb would surprise me a little bit less than Devin, just because it it feels like because of Devin's size and like he's such a three point specialist, I, I just don't see him being in the rotation like right away. Um, yeah. like barring injury like Caleb gives you a little bit more just because of the size and like the the defense so I could see him like maybe getting into the rotation because of those things but it to me like I when I just look at the contracts right so Devin um, basically it's a, a three-year 373 million sorry three million seven hundred fifty four thousand dollar deal um, the 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 Second year is fully non-guaranteed and the first year that we're like going into right now is non-guaranteed. It becomes fully guaranteed on January 10th. Then when we look at Caleb, Caleb signed a four-year $8.2 million deal. Uh, The first two years um, are fully guaranteed and then the third and the fourth obviously are not fully guaranteed, but they've invested more money into Caleb Houston they never used their second round picks and this year we see them take him you know with the the 32nd pick in the draft and i just feel like he is more of like the archetype of what john and jeff look for you know good size at 68 he's a solid defender can shoot the ball a little bit and he's kind of younger you know kind of fits the timeline a little bit better for the magic so i'm not saying because devin isn't a good player like the magic desperately needs shooting and devin definitely you know supplies you with that but just kind of all of those factors makes me feel like like caleb is the guy now i don't know what that means for caleb because we have admiral Schofield and we have kavon harris as the two two ways currently you can't convert a contract just from like a, a standard contract to a two way you would have to waive them they would have to clear waivers and then you can sign them to a two way so I, I just really don't know what it means. If I had to guess, I, and we're having this conversation around one guy probably has to get either traded or waived. And unless Terrence is moved relatively quickly, and that might be, that might happen, that might be the plan and to keep Caleb and Devin. But if you don't trade somebody, I feel like Devin would be the odd man out, unfortunately. Is it kind of wild like that we're to the point where if you would have told us it was the case like a few years ago, we'd be like, you're out of your mind, that... Terrence Ross being on the team, like it's really coming down to uh, Devin Kennedy or Terrence Ross is what it feels like. Because like you said, Caleb Houston's had more invested in him. It's T Ross or Devin Kennedy. And in terms of, you know, but more complexity, way more complexity when you get into Terrence Ross, just because are you going to just get him for like trade him for essentially a bag of chips at this point, like a second round pick that you're probably you not going to get use? at the deadline. Right, that you could get at the deadline and just benefit from Terrence Ross if he has is having a better season this year. 
I just think that it's going to tell us all we need to know. I mean, do, if it comes down to it, do you want, do you depend on, on Terrence Ross to provide you minutes or Devin Kennedy? Like that's what it comes down to. Who do you trust more? And Terrence Ross is Terrence Ross. So yeah, I'm going to bank on the fact that he's going to be able to impact the game and he's going to be coming off screens, hitting the three ball. I get it as far as Devin Kennedy, but Terrence Ross is bigger. He's going to defend better. And he's I'm like, it's just a no brainer for me. So I, I just don't know, man. Like it is, it's going to be very interesting to see what ends up happening. You could tell me either of the two happen that Kennedy's, you know, waived or T Ross is traded. And I'll be like, yeah, makes sense. Like, I'm just yeah, not going to be surprised either. I would be really surprised if like Caleb Houston got waived. There's so no, we haven't shot. really had like this part of the conversation, but you're right. It feels like it's Terrence Ross being traded or Devin Kennedy is waived. Yeah, it has to be because, and it's just simply from numbers. Like I said, Devin Kennedy could have an argument for getting playtime on this team because of the need that it needs for shooting. But if Terrence Ross is going to shoot like he can and like we know him to be able to do, then it doesn't seem like that. Like we shouldn't think that deeply about this. That And even though like you could argue that Devin Kennedy is a better shooter than Terrence, but like Devin, for the most part, I mean, he can come off of screens, but I think for the most part, he would be featured as like a spot up shooter. We know Terrence is like you can run multiple plays for Terrence. You can run like that little, you know, fake side dribble handoff yeah. where he cuts back door and has a dunk at the rim. You can obviously like run different screens for him. He can come off of pin downs, but it just has like just in general more like offensive gravity because he is so dynamic and teams know like if Terrence Ross is on the floor, like you need to smother him or you need to keep the ball out of his hands. And then like in the last couple of years, he's added like the ability to kind of like, you know, a couple of dribbles into the lane pull up or like a floater like kind of get to the rim a little bit so yeah I, I don't mean to like just totally like discredit Devin Kennedy but like I would certainly you know go with Terrence Ross in that scenario and it's also the the fact like why we really can't see Caleb Houston being gone in this situation is because like we said they invested him as a second round pick they've given him you know his four years with you know, essentially the first two years guaranteed correct yeah and he's like we said, just huge, six eight, uh, nineteen years old. A lot of people don't realize that Devin Kennedy is twenty five. So uh, I think that because he's young in his NBA career, people don't realize that they might think he's twenty two, twenty three, but he's twenty five. You kind of know what you've got in Devin Kennedy, Caleb Houston. They you really don't know his. You're still judging him based off potential. And at this point, Devin Kennedy, you're just kind of like, I know who he is. But so I think that that really is kind of the deciding factors for me in terms of that discussion. So ultimately, I fully expect it to be come down between Terrence and Devin. And we'll see what happens. I I, like I said, I don't know that I would be shocked either way. If T. Ross does get traded, just based on what we've heard and rumors about Terrence Ross over the last couple seasons. And Terrence Ross's attitude last season, it felt like he went from saying, I don't think I'm going to be on the magic long term to I'm really excited about the future of this team. Yeah. So I don't know. Something happened there. I think a conversation happened. Like Alabama Carroll happened, baby. Yeah, right. But I'm saying like there was was definitely a conversation. There's a temperature check. If you want to get out of here, we need you to not trash the team and say you want to be traded. Thank you very much. Well, regardless, like. It was. It might have been just like, "Hey, we're excited for you in this team. If you are like, if you right. are in, you're in. Tell us, let us know." And Tiras was like, "Okay." And then like the Palo Palo training facility, young team, fully healthy. Like Terrence Ross, we saw him. It almost looked like he went to full realization on. I think it was his podcast or or like streaming, yeah. where he was like listing out all the good things about this team, and he was like, "Man, we have a chance." Like we can do it, and you could see like he was pulling up like he his said, computer tabs. He said playoffs. He said we have a chance at the playoffs. He said we could. I think he said we could effing make the playoffs. Yeah, and he was like pulling up the standings, and like he was genuinely getting excited about it. So yeah, it just didn't seem like a demeanor of a guy that knew that he was going to be leaving. So I think he did a complete one eighty. I, I just feel like the writing's got to be on the wall that he's staying again. So we'll see. At I least mean, I'm happy to the deadline. Right. I'm happy to have him back if he's going to 
improve that efficiency from last year. It can't get worse. And a guy that's been in the league for 10 years, like knows what it makes, knows what it takes to make the playoffs. So, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, Terrence Ross said we're making the playoffs, we're making the playoffs. And, oh, Markel Fultz said or tweeted fourth seed, so we're going to be the fourth seed. But it's really encouraging to like see the confidence, you know, around. Somebody who's been there thinks that this team can actually do something, which is nice. Right. Luke, I think that does it for the guards, right? That that about wraps it up. We got anything else? I do not think so. I don't think so. Before we go, just want to remind you guys of the preseason night that we're having coming up on October the 14th at 7 o'clock. That's going to be the Magic's preseason finale against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the preseason finale is usually like the regular season dress rehearsal. So if you think preseason and you're thinking of like the NFL and like an NFL preseason finale where most of the guys that are going to be playing in the actual games doesn't play, the NBA is totally different from that. So if you had that in your mind, forget about that. This is going to be a fun night. If you want to join us, you can uh, purchase tickets at FIVO, which is F-E-V-O dot M-E slash the sixth man show. Again, I believe the last time I checked, we still have tickets left in section 108. 109, 110, and 111. It's just kind of like the uh, first section on the other end of the tunnel near the Magic Bench and just kind of throughout the lower bowl there. So if you want to come join the game and uh, hang out with us that night, it's going to be a lot of fun. So again, uh, fivo.me slash the six man show. We really hope to see you guys there. Well, other than that, that is going to do it for us. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys have been listening to the six man show and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!